0: Welcome to the next episode of CAM Marketing Save the Planet podcast. And today we are thrilled to be joined by John Alexander, author of the brilliant book Citizens and indeed co-founder of The New Citizen Project. John, welcome to our podcast.
1: Lovely to be here.
0: Fantastic. So, John, we want to kick off with some questions around a bit of an introduction to you and also how you came to write the book Citizens.
1: So yeah, uh, so I run an organisation called the New Citizenship Project. As you have already very kindly said, uh, we set that up my my co-founder uh, and I um, used to work together in the advertising industry way back when, uh, and we set it up with the idea. Really, in some ways, I'd describe the, the, the business, it's fairly poor business model. As anyone, anyone who does consulting will tell you that what you should do is figure out what you're doing and then do, it, do the same thing many times. And we basically don't do anything the same ever. Um, and it's really almost more of a search project with an inquiry question that's something like, uh, how can organizations treat people as citizens, not just as consumers? How can, how can organizations invite people into their agency and creativity to shape the world, not just sell them stuff? uh and that uh was born um way back really I, I mean i started my career working in the advertising industry and and very quickly started to ask quite serious questions about what that, that industry is part of and, and what the broader marketing industry is doing in the world uh i don't have a simple well i do have quite a simple answer to can marketing save the world and it's probably no um <laughs> but uh but I, I remember my first boss saying to me, um, what you've got to remember is that the average consumer sees something like 3,000 commercial messages a day and you've got to cut through that. You've got to make yours the best. Yeah. And I, um, I was... I was fairly happy with the, with the second part of that for a bit and then I started to ask more and more questions about the first. Like, And ultimately came to this question, of what, what are we doing to ourselves when we tell ourselves we're consumers constantly? What are we, and not just through advertising, um, but through everything from, from advertising to, to the fact that we have measures of societal success that are called things like the consumer confidence index, that, that the word consumer becomes kind of a synonym for people uh and we think that that happens without impact and it really really doesn't uh and 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 i guess the i mean i I sometimes joke that if i'd written a if i'd written a book a little while ago it would probably have been called or started an organization it would have been called the consumer doom project and and it wouldn't have been terribly joyful but but fortunately i managed to come out the other side of that and, and start start holding slightly more generative questions which is which is why i am where i am
0: yes
2: In your book, you talk about the different societal stages, don't you? So the subject story, the consumer story, and then moving on looking forward as we evolve into the citizen story. So can you just talk us through some of those stages just to give our listeners who haven't read your book a bit of a view of where you've come from and where you're looking to?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now I actually prefer sometimes to talk about this moment in time where I've got to as a result of the writing the book and then the last year of talking about it. And I think in this moment in time, I think of them more as stories than I do as stages. And I think I think the the great challenge we face is that too many of those in positions of power in this in the existing systems can only see two stories. They think that they're in a choice between the subject story, which is the kind of rising authoritarian and paternalism that that, that, that that reasserts that there are a God-given few who know how society should work yeah. and the rest of us should just keep our heads down and do as they tell us. We can all see that rising, right? Like we know it's looming. And the only other one they can see uh, is the consumer story, which is the story we've lived in for the last 80 years or so, which is the story that essentially says that, that the right thing to do is to pursue your individual self-interest because that individual self-interest will add up to the collective interest it's it's a story that says that that people need to be sold to and served that and that the rests on a on a sort of founding assumption that people are self-interested and therefore the best we can do is 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 try and harness that self-interest and and the reason why i think it's so dangerous that that. The, and why I say people in positions of power in our society today can t- tend to only be able to see those two stories, is that the result of that is that many of us think that what we're trying to do is defend or or sort of have to work from within the consumer story, um, and and that just isn't going to work uh, is is really my fundamental point. It like, is unsustainable in the in the most fundamental sense of the word, we, uh, the way i put i would put it is in this moment in time we have a we have a, a loneliness and a mental health crisis and we have a story that that at fundamental level says that we're independent isolated individuals yeah. and you just can't solve that you have a, an inequality crisis, and you have a story that, that that says that society is a ladder that people climb, and you have to, and you just can't solve an inequality crisis from a from a story of competition and status, and and we have an ecological crisis most fundamentally, and and the, the sort of the root of this podcast, I guess, uh, and we, you can't you can't solve an ecological crisis from within a story that says that 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 humans are separate from nature or that, or that acquisition we, that accepts the premise that acquisition of material possessions is the reason for happiness. You just can't, you just can't. And I guess the joy of it is uh, the the joy of my work is is, is, is naming and kind of trying to bring through a third story, which is the citizen story, which says, If the subject story says, keep your head down, do as you're told, and the consumer story says, pursue self-interest, the citizen story says, get involved, like contribute your ideas, energy and resources to the pursuit of the best society as a whole and encourage others to do so. Give others the means to contribute theirs on the basis that all of us are smarter than any of us. And that is how the best society will result. And the last thing I'd say on this just quickly is that um, this is not in some ways I do present it as a kind of uh, as a progression. And I do think that looking forward the the citizen' story is emerging all over the world and in every aspect of society, and it's very exciting and I would also say it's a very it, it is the oldest story as well, mm. actually like predating the subject story which itself has been around since two thousand five hundred b c and King Sargon of Akkad, which is a whole little teaser that means you have to read the book to find out more but but even but going deeper into it, like actually. The time I spent with, with Aboriginal philosophers and, and I, was, I was lucky enough to be in Australia and New Zealand at the end of last year, we'll talk about the carbon emissions separately. But, but the, the, the time I spent with, with Indigenous leaders there talking about these stories and these ideas, that it's just this idea of humanity as deeply embedded in uh, and interdependent and interconnected is, is the oldest story and the yeah. deepest and truest story of humanity. It's not some sort of newly emerging thing.
0: And it's, it's a story that kind of resonates with humans, doesn't it? It's got it. it's powerful when, when we are, you know, when we're privy to that story, when we see that story, when we hear that story, you feel that story. It's kind of like, it's almost like the same endeavor with the climate crisis. It's personal. It's not, it's not like digital transformation, like, oh, you know, here we go is another bit of tech. This is like, wow, this is humanity. This is, This is us. And and it does connect and it does resonate deeply with people. And of course, from a marketing, you know, perspective, I mean, even you talking about consumer, consumer, I mean, it just feels I just want to shrug it off my shoulders. It feels like, ugh, you know, it's not, it's not a nice word, is it? And yet we've normalized it and it's become it's become something that actually really is almost like a wedge between who we really are and, and what we're really all about and what we're doing. So given that marketing has had such a big role to play in that consumer story, because it is just a story, you know, you're right, it is just a story. Where What do you see marketing's role as in using its skills, its creativity, its influence? You know, if we've driven one story to mobilize people in a direction, what's possible to mobilize people in another direction? What's that going to take?
1: I'll, I'll come to that in a in a second. I guess the first thing I w- I would say is actually that that there is some humility required, first of all. Um, and I think that the I think the single biggest thing that actually the, the marketing industries, creative industries, commercial creative industries could do would actually be to, to to give people some space. Um, there's the, I remember I, I, I co-authored a, a paper back in 2011 um, with a guy called Tom Crompton, who now runs something called the Common Cause Foundation, and, and Guy Shropsoll, who's doing some really interesting work on access to land around the United Kingdom today. So it's quite a long time ago, but we've gone on to interesting things. But one of the quotes that we came across in the research for this paper um, on, on ethic ethical questions and advertising, one of the quotes we came across was... Um, uh, a marketer who said, Ubiquity is the new exclusivity we don 't know where the consumer's going to be anymore, so we have to be everywhere mm. and and like I think i mean I, i'd sort of put that together with this thing about three thousand odd commercial messages a day, and by the way, the latest ethnographic estimates are anything up to ten thousand a day for certain cohorts in certain countries like the the before we start talking about within within what marketing, where marketing has a justifiable role and within the skills that we have and so on, what should we do with those? I, I sort of first want to say, like, we need to give people some space, <laughs> right? Like but there is, I, I, I use this phrase cognitive oxygen that like, Unless people have the room to breathe and the and the space to be who, who humans most truly are, which is, mm. as you say, like, I think this, this, the citizen story is a much truer reflection of, of deep human nature than, than the consumer story, then, then, we we, we we can't even really start like the the first thing has to be to go okay cool like where where should we not where should marketing not be in people's lives should there be limits on advertising to children just full stop mm. should there be limits on outdoor advertising how do we how do we like limit product placement like the, these kinds of things that just just to get to a, and even just starting those conversations i think is really powerful and interesting mm. yeah and, and actually i think it can be in the interests of the of the of the advertising and marketing industries because like when advertising and marketing when the whole of marketing becomes a kind of end of pipe like sales thing like it's like where's the creativity where's the joy gone in
0: yeah well it's kind of become just keep throwing spaghetti at the wall and hope some of it sticks hasn't it i mean it's just it's, it's just so so relentless um this idea of right person with the right message at the right time is kind of gone way out the window with all our hyper targeting and and our, our, our overstimulated um activity and so and so yeah so so you know what is cutting through i would i would say
1: what is cutting through is a really good question and my response would be the aggregate impact is cutting through far more than any single message, and the aggregate impact is the sus- yeah. sustenance of this narrative of of people as consumers. Yeah. I I, 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 su- I sometimes go as far as as. As drawing the analogy between consumerism and religions, right? Like that—that this is a call to prayer that we're putting out thousands of times a day, yeah. And and what that does to what we what we think is possible, what we can imagine for ourselves, is really is really powerful. So, but let's let's sort of hold that. Like I I'm, I don't I don't need to kind of over batter <laughs> that point. I did I do want to make it because I think it's really important, and I think it could be a really I, I've been talking to the guys at Creatives for Climate and they're, they're sort of building a building a conversation around this and to with how do you make a creative opportunity actually out of a campaign from within the marketing industry to limit where marketing is in people's lives. And I think that's really, really interesting and joyful, actually. Yeah. Um a
0: case in, in Brazil where they took all the outdoor advertising away yeah. and everybody was so much happier? There's,
1: there's, been, there's been loads of data on this in grenoble in france they did it uh sao paulo is the one i think yeah. you're talking about In the city of bristol there has been some really interesting kind of stuff there was a lovely uh, little campaign uh, a couple of years ago where there were an organization who called themselves cats the citizens advertising takeover service took over all of their advertising sites on a on a london underground station and replaced them with pictures of cats oh, like this there, like there's fun to be had in this, but there's a serious point underneath it that says like, do we, isn't there something more that we are and want to be? Um, And so that's, that's like I say, that's kind of point one. If I step into your challenge of like, okay, so how do we, how do we really, what's the, what's the, what's the positive role? What I, I think there my, um, my answer, maybe I can just tell you briefly my favorite story from Research for the Book, because I I think this speaks to this, to what I yeah. think the role of marketing might be, or the, the skills of marketing might be. And the, the story is actually that the transformation of the Taiwanese government over the over the last 10 years. But but really like coming up to date, it's the it's how that how the Taiwanese responded to COVID when it hit. And there, the Taiwanese government response was. Characterised by the three principles: fast, fun, and fair. Uh, and what they essentially did was they 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 crowdsourced the entire national response. That the president, at one point, made a speech where she effectively said, like, we 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 don't know how we're going to get through this, but we do know we'll get through it best if we if we if we tap into everyone. They set challenge prizes for people to to create apps that would track case outbreaks and face mask availability and these sorts of things and they also and made all the data open and they also um, set up a phone line where any citizen could ring in with ideas for how the country's response could be better and my favorite story within the story is that a six-year-old boy rang up and said uh, the boys in my class don't want to wear their face masks because they're pink and they think that they're girly so you need to do something to make pink face masks cool and I think you should work with the baseball team. And uh, and the, the the joy of this is three days later uh, they apparently had the the half the Taiwanese baseball team the little boy and the president on the national televised press conference resplendent in their pink face in past. their
0: pink mask love it
1: and you're just like like it's just such a like it seems crazy in a lot of ways and 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 sometimes even when I'm telling the story I start to doubt if I'm telling the truth but I am <laughs> but the 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 point the serious point in it is like. Who knows best how little boys' minds are working and dealing with these challenges yeah. than another little, little boy? Boys. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. Wh- like the, the, there is a and, and that that logic applies throughout. Like yeah. if yeah. we could use these skills, if we could start from a place of respect and uh, and 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 belief in the agency and the creativity of everyone in the society, and use the skills of marketing from that perspective to invite people into their agency to hold the space for the for for, for that kind of contribution that, that people are capable of making. Then I think we can do really fascinating things. I'm not even sure it becomes called marketing anymore yeah. because, <laughs> because it's not it's really there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. We've, we've, it's
1: not, not really it, contacting. So
2: we started we started down that road and swiftly reversed up it because we felt that maybe we, you know, as all as all marketers like to do, they do love a rebrand, don't they? And they do love a new set of titles. And Michelle and I uh, debated at the House of Commons that there wasn't yeah. so much a skills gap in marketing, more of an identity crisis if we didn't make up so many roles, maybe we would all know what we were doing and people actually understood mm-hmm. what marketing was so it was it was an interesting debate to be had but you it's interesting how you talk about um uh, Bristol, there, and Bristol being one of the, well, it was, so I don't know if it still is, the vegan capital of the world. Um, and, the, and the route that they went down to do that was, you know, a, a two or three pronged approach, wasn't it? Whereby they had protests on vegan values and the importance of vegan values. They had the chefs in Bristol who, uh, put their put their vegan dishes at the top of the menu as opposed to on the back page bottom right. I spoke about them as if they would speak about any other dish, and then opened up forums where communities could have discussion around them. And, and people naturally then just gravitated because they weren't being broadcast to, they weren't being told what to do. They were invited to be part of something, weren't they? And I think that sharing and that two way ongoing conversation, like you know, there's many marketers that work for organizations who aren't trying to sell you stuff, you know, social marketing, cause marketing, uh, word of mouth, all of those things I, I've seen in terms of the sustainability landscape, feel like they're making a bit of a comeback. And I think social impact companies do a really, really good job of um, of bringing people along on the journey with them as opposed to just broadcasting to
1: them. I think that's true. I mean, I I think I'm... I mean, I, I think you're the, so I don't I don't know the, the case study of the, of the of the of the vegan arrival sort of takeover of Bristol um, one of the examples in the food system that I do know quite well um, have you guys heard of the million pound mayor in Oklahoma? No. So a so million pounds in weight rather than... So the, the, story, the story goes that uh, uh, Mick Cornett, who was the Republican mayor of Oklahoma, was, was diagnosed as obese. Uh, and at the same time as he was diagnosed, he discovered that Oklahoma was one of the fattest cities in America. And so his response wasn't to say I'm going to go on a diet. Instead, he said, "Let's go on a diet. Like, let's let's try and lose a million pounds in weight together. Let's let's form kind of weight loss groups and let's invite ideas as to what we might do. Yeah. And let and 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 sort of the, the I think that at one point the CEO of Taco Bell came into the city and changed them and like talk, had a discussion with citizens about changing the menu and this kind of thing. I think the which I really love, and I think sounds broadly analogous. Uh, ultimately, they ended up uh, holding a referendum to introduce a penny, penny in the dollar sales tax. The revenue from which would be hypothecated for investment in healthy infrastructure, and I think they used a the kind of participatory budgeting mechanic to allocate that that revenue. So the 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 interesting thing about this, though, I think it's where it gets really exciting isn't where these things are even sort of like positively marketed is where people are actually treated as participants in the process. Yes. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that that's something I think we need to, we need to focus in more. I've been, I've been doing some work recently uh, on, trying to hack the what what's called the 4 Ps you know the, the marketing yep. mix the price promotion. because i th- i still think that um even when you accept that what you, if, even when you in your mind you go i want to we want to treat people as citizens we want to we want to speak to their agency we don't just want to sell them stuff the the mental models and frameworks we have to plan with and think with yep. still actually derive from the consumer story
0: oh we'll send so, you ours we've hacked it
1: <laughs> nice i'd like to be yeah.
0: it yeah it? We've, we've got seven so we yeah we've got seven and we've well the seven p's because when we turned into a service industry rather than a product industry in the what 70s um that became much more we stretched that out into a 7p model marketing did you know not Gemma and i and so that including service and physical evidence and um and so we've added those elements into the mix and then we've stretched it out with a responsible lens. And, and the big lens when it comes to product is exactly about how do you give people a role? How, what's the role they play? So in the same as you're saying, it's kind of like, how are they part of this? How do they contribute to this? This isn't you pushing out product. This is, it's collaborating and co-creating mm-hmm. with audiences. So you get solutions that actually matter rather than solutions that you think that matter that may miss the point catastrophically, but you're gonna market the hell out of them anyway because you've now got product that you need to shift. So when you think about it, that is such a wasteful process. It makes so much more sense to do something collaboratively and go to the six year olds and say, hey, what, what is this problem that we need to solve for you? How can we collaborate here? And I think with technology that we have now and, you know, there's kind of no, there's no barriers for organisations to be, to be doing that at scale, you know, and learning. Um, So, yeah, so we've stretched it out. You can have a look at (laughs) at our positioning on it, but yeah, absolutely.
1: So, I mean, for what it's worth and for sake of comparison, we've, uh, I've, uh, we've kind of contracted it down so we with we we've got our we've got three p's now uh, and we talk about um purpose platform and prototype okay so so the questions we're asking are: what's this organization really trying to do in the world and actually what's this organization trying to do in the world that's so big you can't it can't do it for people i think that the the shift yeah. from for to with is a to really width. critical one yeah. um the platform principle is is then going. What, how does the what what are the structures and processes the organisation creates to make it meaningful and joyful to be part of that work? Mm. We choose the words meaningful and joyful really deliberately because yes. we're not saying easy and convenient. No, because um, easy and convenient comes from a mindset that says people are lazy and selfish, and so we have to make it easy and convenient. Meaningful and joyful comes from a mindset that says people are creative, capable. Like caring creatures, we need to make it something that they want to be part of. And then the prototype one is really just saying, like, you can't flip a utopian switch and transform an organization overnight, but you can build the energy. And I think if you, like, we've been working with that model with all sorts of organizations, but I think you can hold it up, for example, to the Taiwanese government. And what they were doing was saying, like, we don't know how to get through this, but we, like, the purpose is to get through this, but we know we'll get through it better with your involvement. the platforms are things like that the phone line the challenge prizes these sorts of things and the iteration of it is is an incredible power incredibly powerful part and i i i think i mean we've been having some really interesting conversations recently and starting to kind of brainstorm with different organizations one of one of the organizations i would love to uh play with these ideas more deeply with would be the bbc and and you you, like you hold it you hold up purpose platform prototypes, the BBC, you go, what What really is it trying to do? It's yeah. not just trying to create content for consumers. It's not just, I mean, the language of inform, educate and entertain is a bit like paternalistic subject in my mind. But if that organisation were really to go, like, how can we create and recreate and continually reinvent British culture with the British people? Yeah. Like, that could be super cool, really yeah. exciting and would be something that Netflix and so on couldn't do. Yeah. So I think, I guess that's a, that's the sort of direction I'm going, and maybe maybe I guess I'm I don't want to be the guy who's like I'm saying something different because maybe I'm not, but I but I do think this this idea of starting from people as citizens is like it does go beyond like nudging more sustainable behaviour or or kind of yeah. like not holding hold this but like putting the putting the information more visibly. It's like yeah. no, no, no. Let's hold the questions yeah. consciously together
0: yeah. it doesn't make sense it does yeah. and I think you know it's almost you know it's you it does make sense and I think it's bold and it's transformative and it's systems change and it's without doubt where we need to get to and go to the transition to getting there I do think there's going to be these nudges and these bits and pieces because you know, I love the point that you're talking about joyful and meaningful. You know, Gemma and I are still kind of at the get inconvenient and uncomfortable. Um, and I think that, you know, this is there's, there. there is this element of um, we know we need to get there. But I think getting there realistically, um, I mean, I don't know about you, John, with the organizations that you're talking to. But, you know, for some of the organizations that we're speaking to. It, you, you know that the transition just just isn't moving anywhere as quickly as it needs to be moving. I mean we do feel like kind of Dr. Mindy you know kind of going in and terrifying people I mean I it, it's it's you see you know you have these talks you show a video about you know what's going on and it's like everybody's kind of startled rabbits uh, in the headlights and it's kind of like the curse of knowledge, is a is a da- it's not a dangerous thing it's a wonderful thing but i think in you know if you're immersed in this landscape which you most definitely are and you you know this is something that you've given so much of your time to thinking about and creating solutions around which is brilliant and we need more of that uh, to be driving and inspiring and and and, and driving that change it, for those not in that space not thinking about this it's it's really kind of it, they're just the progress just isn't there and, and that's what is you know uh, what what's that tension of that's definitely where we need to get to. But but where are we now?
1: I think I feel like I want to I want to say something about the difference between incremental and transformative change okay. here. Like I think. Um, think too much of uh sustainable marketing the, the sustainable marketing kind of conversation at the moment is kind of within frame uh and 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 by not challenging those sort of deeper foundational assumptions of like who are who, who what is our understanding of humanity what's the what what are we what are we actually here to do are we are are we here to drive as many transactions that are that we know are better or not or are we are we here to do something deeper and more fundamental than that? I think I think the pro for me, the way I see it, that the 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 difficulty we face is that too much of what we're talking about is asking for incremental change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's I just see. not commensurate with the scale of the challenge, I'm yep. afraid. It's and, not. And and it's only when you and I guess I like but like actually the transform transformative changes is 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 in many ways easier than incremental because I think we've there's a thing about like we've sort of you could argue we've kind of got to the point where you know incremental change is the kind of marginal gains thing, yes, right? Like it and, is. And, yeah. and, and, and you get to the point where actually it's re- like it's really hard to find the next little bit of the market that wants a little slightly better thing and 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 actually like stepping back and going, what if this whole thing is about inviting people to participate in purpose not just about trying to create markets for slightly better stuff like and actually what if that is an easier step than trying to persuade another portion of the market or whatever against their like i i i'm trying to trying to think of a way of framing it that, that sort of makes it more tangible i guess i mean the the thing, the moment that really drove me out of the advertising industry was um, was actually working on what I thought was going to be my dream brief, which was which was a, a brief from Unilever back in 2010 that was about sort of get people to to look for more sustainable palm oil in in products. And and at that time in 2010, there weren't many of these briefs around, and we were trying to do sort of sell greener stuff, and I'd been working on Eurostar and train over plane and all that kind of thing. And, and this brief came in and it was kind of interesting. It was like they, they really wanted to speak to people. They seemed to want to speak to people differently. And in the end, the ad that got kind of mandated actually was a glorious picture of the rainforest with the line, what you buy in the supermarket can change the world. Small actions, big difference. And it kind of killed me.
0: Mm, but it <laughs> right? killed me too.
1: Right. And it, but it's still so much of what is is in this space. It's like... And 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 the danger I think of it is that is that we all sort of know that this is a sort of the the actual message here is shush little people just go shopping, yeah. Uh, so the the grown ups will fix it for you, and and it is that that needs to change. And actually, like I don't think the I don't think it's that difficult to go there. I think it's I think the reason it's difficult is more because it's like it's actually asking marketers clients agencies to step out of a kind of hero complex where they think they can create some kind of new eden where the only products are green and and step into a place where where you acknowledge uncertainty say we don't we don't like the taiwanese again like say we don't know how to do this like no one knows exactly what a sustainable future will look like don't pretend you do Yeah. But if we can hold that uncertainty and go, we want to we want to create it with you, like we, like let's do this together. I think there's a huge generative space to be in, but I do think it's a fundamentally different mindset. Does that make sense?
2: It does. Yeah, absolute sense. And I guess the question is is how do we get people to believe that collective action and participation can deliver positive change when everybody is so dis- either distracted or overwhelmed or feel? that nothing they can do is going to make a difference.
1: Yeah. I mean for me this is this is this is a place when the skills of marketing have a major role to play like the storytelling that can and needs to be done like I feel like such a kind of lonely voice sometimes, like, how am I the only one telling the freaking story of the Taiwanese government? Why Why is no one else standing on the rooftops talking about what happened in Grimsby last year, where an organization called East Marsh United that started with litter picks four years before on the on basically the worst street in the worst neighborhood in the country, now, uh, then, got to a point where they they raised five hundred thousand pounds in a community share offer, bought ten, uh, buying ten houses and refitting them using good local jobs and creating a sustainable revenue stream for the rest of their organisation. Like, there are I could give you like a thousand stories like that yeah. that are happening. Where are those stories? Yeah, disrupt- I mean
0: that's that's what we need. You know, those are the stories that that need to be shared and communicated that inspire progress that inspire, because I mean, when we did interview, um, Philip Kotler, you know, one of the things he was saying is there just aren't enough exemplars. We just don't have the exemplars to be that are raising the bar for everybody else. And, you know, what, what he talked about was a a different revolution, a revolution of the social impact businesses that hopefully are going to come through and, start to scale just by the size of them that are gonna nudge up, you know, that are going to grow that baseline so that larger organizations have to kind of make a shift and make a change because um otherwise, you know, they won't. But this idea that, you know, you these thousands of stories, where are they? How do we get them out? This is this is where marketers could be showcasing and sharing and and learning from and and of course, we're not we're not hearing about them. They're not in the media. These stories, they're not in the mainstream media. You know, hello, BBC. You could be doing a lot about that. Um, so, you know, where where do people access this? I mean, that's what I'm saying. You're in this space, seeing this, championing this, living this. How do we get it out so it becomes business as normal, life as normal, citizenship as normal? But uh,
1: and I guess what I'm what I think I'm saying is, I think. There are so many organisations. Like, uh, for various reasons, I've been thinking. I've, I've been thinking a lot about Nike recently, and like Nike's original original purpose of like unleashing the athlete in everyone. Like that's that's the kind of purpose you could do with people, and you can and that could have a massive. But you don't. But that that would require a very different business model of fulfilling that purpose, right? Yeah. It, you, in, in the consumer story, they've become trapped, I would argue, in, 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 Some like, stuff. impossibilizing athletes in order to sell products by association. Like, that, I mean, the Air Jordan shoe is, is, a, yeah. is arguably the perfect example of that. What, what these sorts of stories that I'm talking about do is they possibilize. They don't impossibilize and sell by association. They possibilize and involve and enable by inspiration, right? Like, yes. it, and that, this is what I mean, though, by a kind of transformative shift. It's not. I, I, I want. I want Nike's marketing team not just to be saying like, how do we sell greener shoes? How do we like? How do we change this for our customers so so that so that they have less negative impact on the world? I want them to be going like, how do we yeah. unleash our customer yes. base? How do we yeah. how do we well, relate we'll to our customers? Yeah. sources of, and participants and that and and I think. I, I guess what I'm saying to you is I, 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 I accept the premise that this isn't happening yet. Yes. But I think what I worry about is that the, 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 the kind of the, the sell greener stuff, the kind of the, the, the position it better the, the, and so on, is, is an incremental shift that actually isn't commensurate with the scale of the challenge. No. Yeah. And distracts us from the need to make the transformative shift. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I'd love to argue this direct with Philip Kotler; It'd be fascinating because he might beat me. but think he'd
2: agree with you. He'd agree with you. He was You'd very much in agreement when we yeah. interviewed him for the podcast. And, you know, yeah. we talk about the fact that selling, if you just continue to sell a greener version of what you already had, it's just substitution, isn't it? If we don't yeah. fundamentally change the behaviours and our our obsession with instant gratification and the feeling that if we, the more we buy, the happier we feel, which we don't feel happier. We know that when we buy more, then we, we are not going to make that huge transformational change that we so desperately need. So I think he would agree with you.
1: I guess maybe the thing I'm, and I'm trying to figure out why I'm like trying to distance. Like, I think, I think it maybe does come back to this thing of like, actually I'm, I'm kind of about business becoming less import, less critical as well. Less less critical in the sense of less essential, yeah. like less central. Um, maybe the most exciting thing I'm working on at the moment um, is uh, a campaign called The People's Plan for Nature. Um, and the, this, so so th- we found out basically that David Attenborough has got a new documentary series. First episode uh, is airing very soon. Probably even by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be on air. And, and around it, we based, we as the New Citizenship Project worked with RSPB, WWF, National Trust, brought them together to hold the space for a big participatory democracy process, which involved an open idea call and st- gathering stories of community action all over the country. And then a citizens assembly. So 100 randomly selected citizens brought together for four weekends over four months to digest and form a set of recommendations and the idea of the whole campaign is that when the Attenborough documentary is on air, this plan, this people's plan, the recommendations out of that citizen assembly, will be published, and and the hope is that the the, the Attenborough documentary will essentially co- conduct electricity into them. Now, that is that, to my mind, is is kind of different. I think to saying uh, it, it's still marketing, right? Really, it in is. the sense is where it's where communicating with people yeah. meets society like it's it's uh, it's where organizations meet society but it's really different because like the marketing teams at the WWF RSPB and National Trust have seen each other as competitors and like and and even if they are social essentially social businesses they have they haven't collaborated in yeah. that sort of way they haven't collaborated with their customers they've seen yeah. their role as being to sell visits to their places or 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 subscriptions to their or regular donations yes in order for them to then do the conservation work for people yeah and this is different this is yeah. them saying we're going to stand alongside
0: together people. absolutely yeah. absolutely which is going to be critical absolutely critical i mean we interviewed um dr uh, Professor Alex Smith-Food, um and uh, from Nottingham um, Trent and Oh Nottingham Business School, and she she talked about exactly that about this collaborative advantage about the fact that to get the system change that we need, competitors competitors have to work together because actually what we're collectively they're solving their own problem, but they're solving. Bigger, wider collective problems, and and that's you know they're never going to be able to do this stuff on their own. The, mm-hmm. As you say, the scale is too um And why would you even want to? You know, this is it's. We we talked last week, didn't we, Gemma? About we were talking to Paul um, Paul Skinner about who wrote a book about collaborative advantage. So I said to him, can we just pick his brains? Because uh, you know there were so many constructs around sustainability. Uh, strategy for your competitive advantage and I was like there aren't people missing the point by saying that sustainability is about collaborative you know competitive advantage isn't this do they not understand we're all on the one planet together and how do we kind of all unite to use the resources skills that we have so that everybody can play a role in 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 doing better and raising the the game and the bar for everybody, and um, you know, and and again, there's lots of you know cases that 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 he talked about where that has been done. But it, and there are some kind of consortiums like goods forums and various policies and consortiums where people are coming together, fierce competitors are coming together to kind of solve uh, bigger ills. But they're solving those ills so that they can sell more products. You know, it's not necessarily about the bigger the, the, the bigger societal wins.
1: And, and I'd also say solving those ills, they're trying to solve them for the little people yes. rather than solving them with people. Like, yeah. and that, that's the critical right. distinction, really, for
0: yeah.
1: my, my take.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I, I think we could probably debate and, and talk all afternoon about this, um, and I think that we we agree on on a lot of things. But John, we like to ask our guests, and I think I know your answer to the first question anyway. The same three questions to all of our guests. And Our first question is: Can marketing save the planet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> can that be my answer? Okay. Um, no, sure? no, no. I'll, I'll take it seriously. I promise. No, I I I think. Um, I would, I would obviously say no. Like, I think, I think marketing, uh, but but the people working in marketing can play a very can play a series of important roles. I think, I think, I think there is some humility required first of all, and then I think there is something about. And then I think that humility continues into seeing people differently. Maybe actually there's one thing I would love to share with you. Um, I'm really obsessed at the moment with the work of an Aboriginal philosopher called Tyson Juncker-Porter, who wrote a book called Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World. Mm. And he closes the book with this lovely thing where he says um, that the, the, the way of thinking, the, 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 the process of thinking that will lead to genuinely sustainable solutions is a four step process he says respect connect reflect and only then direct yeah. and he goes on to say like most colonizer logics take this take these steps in reverse they start by imposing a direction that has been designed without any contact with the community or the like direct yeah. contact or engagement with the community in question then when that thing doesn't work they reflect and try yeah. and figure out yeah. what's gone wrong only then do they connect with the people in that community and build the relationships and then they and then when they get to the point of going back to the city and 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 they get, they go with tears in their eyes having developed this deep respect for the thing that they've trashed and and he says and, and this thing and the, the the idea of this process in the right order is like you start from respect and love yeah. and like yeah. And and to my mind that does come back to the citizen consumer thing. Like if you yeah. start from the idea of people as consumers, you're starting from a fundamental position of disrespect yes. of people. Yep. A dehumanization of people. And and so you have to start from that, that, that place of respect. And then you connect, like you build the relationship, you involve them. Like and then you and then you figure out what you might do together and then you do it. Yeah. And that is in a way I feel like I feel like respect, connect, reflect, direct might become like the sequence of the reinvention of marketing, right? Like, yeah. and, and if, if, the mar, if marketers can embrace that kind of, and it's back to transformative versus incremental. This is the longest answer to this question you've yes. ever had, so I'm yeah. going to shut up.
0: It's probably not, but, uh, but it's a brilliant one. So we love it. So thank you. The next question for you is: What do you hope business looks like? Well, I suspect. Yeah, okay. What do you hope business? We're going to go again, aren't we? There's more hilarity. Um, what do you hope business looks like in ten years'
1: time? I think I hope it looks like a more uh, a more humble partner to government and to community. I think I think the, it needs to make space for those two things both to become uh, stronger. In our societies, in order for us to get to a healthy place.
2: And finally, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone getting started with their citizen journey, what would that be?
1: Did you just change that question? Is that is
0: slightly? That... <laughs> we're allowed to do slightly.
1: that. <laughs> You're in charge. But um, I, I have this little three-step. I mean, really, it's respect, connect, reflect, direct, right? It's yeah. uh, but but I uh, the way I often think of it is like first decide what, you, what, what community you want to be part of, what community you want to contribute to, then find the others like, and then, and then decide what to do together. And that, and that really is the same thing. But it's the, it's the idea that says, like, I am part of these things. I, I'm not going to figure out a solution from outside of engagement with the other. I'm going to figure out. I'm going to. I'm going to play a useful. I'm going to play my role. Yeah. I'll find my place in connection to others.
2: Yeah. And Seth Godin said similar to us when when we interviewed him. He said, "If the room doesn't exist, create the room and oh, get bring. people in there and bring the people in and 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 you know and have those conversations." So.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and and I guess the thing, and I don't know if he went here as well, but I think the thing I'm maybe saying as well is like and then do the sense-making and the decision-making with them. Yes. Don't do it for them. Don't yeah. make sense of people, make sense with people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, that's how relationships are. That's how. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? That's where, that's where the gold is, you know, within each other, isn't it? That's the, the gift we've all got. Why are we not tapping into all of that?
1: It's that little boy, right? Like the the yeah. the tiny little boy, and and the the number of the what changed as a result of that, and yeah. all the other ideas that came forward. Yeah. Like if you if we can hold the space for that, yeah. I I truly believe like people. I think I think most people are hungry for an approach for a moment in the world we we have today where someone yeah. has the courage to say we don't know how to do this, yeah. but we do know that we need all of us. Yeah, I think that would just go down so powerfully
0: yeah and, and just on that you know this idea of marketing then you know just to kind of round up with this you know the goal of marketing the role of marketing where marketing fits I mean going back to good old-fashioned marketing you know when I was being trained in marketing it feels like a hundred years ago um, it, it you know we talked about hearts and minds you know this wasn't about throwing enough spaghetti at the wall this was about really connecting with people's not how much they wanted to spend but with what was going on in their hearts and their minds and and that was really the point Gemma and I were debating in parliament that marketers have forgot that um that that we've, we've kind of we've we've lost our direction and and for us you know why we wrote sustainable marketing was to really put that stake in the ground to say hello wake up you know how are you connecting with people? What are you doing um, around that? Or are you just creating products that nobody even needs or wants? You know, it's not in their hearts, it's not in their minds, but we're just throwing enough and we're creating this enough stimulus and desire uh, and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, this false kind of idea that that's that's what success looks like.
1: I think that's I think that's right. I mean, I I think I, I like the I mean the hearts and minds thing does also relate to that respect, connect, reflect thing. I guess it's then again I want to push for and and their hands like and their hands and their like hands. how do we yeah. like how do we get their hands involved as well? Yeah. Like
0: yeah. how do we
1: face these challenges together? And mm-hmm. and and the skills of marketing, the skills of community. One of the ways maybe this is a good place to end. One of the ways we articulate. Um, one of the other ways we articulate our, our inquiries, the New Citizenship Project, is we say, um, "Why is it that consumerism is made so creative and energetic, and participation is today allowed to be so deeply dull?" It's like there's this there's this huge opportunity yeah. for the work of marketing to go into this world of participation and go, yeah. "Whoa, you guys, yeah. boring!" Yeah, like, yeah, it's so exciting, it. Absolutely. so exciting,
0: Absolutely. so exciting.
2: So, John, where can our listeners find out more about the work you do?
1: If you're very brave, you can enter the the, the echo chamber of John Alexander on LinkedIn. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> um, there. We're in we're there, you never escape uh if you'd rather a, a more sort of a slightly more tempered and subtle uh but but being updated on the key things then uh, I've got a website johnalexander.net with a bit more about the book and the mailing list and I don't send very many but I do let people on there know about the big stuff so uh so yeah, that's a good choice probably
2: well i guess it leaves us to say thank you so much for joining us today it's been a really really enjoyable conversation and anyone who hasn't gone and got the book citizens go and get it because it is full of really really. really inspiring stories of people and we need to as we've discussed get these thousands of stories out there so that we can wake up the rest of the world um, and get them looking up off their phones and doing something.